Good morning, good morning. This is Nick Matson with the We the People podcast. I'm here with Haley for our Monday show. Hi, Haley. Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing today? We're good. Good. Yeah. All right. Happy Monday. It's always a we, so I'm good. You're good. <laughs> good. I said we're good. Yeah, we, yeah we're all the people that, that <laughs> possess little parts of our, our being. Yeah. Everybody tugging and pulling at at one part of our, ourselves or another. Mm-hmm. Um, good to see you this morning. <laughs> you too. So uh, let's let's get right into it. You sure. know, um, busy weekend. There's a, just a it's a busy life all over the place. Yeah. Um, the the amount of um, of content that occurs in a weekend now um, with with so many massive storylines. Um, pulling at us and, and tugging at our attention. We have uh, we have education, going back to school or not. We have uh, issues with that. There was uh, some rallies to go back to school uh, were going on. There was, um, there's the Back the Blue people. There's the Black Lives Matter people. There is the Antifa people. There's the protesters. There's the... Uh, pro-Trump people, there's anti-Trump people, there's the the go Biden, go Joe folks. I mean, you know, so I, it's very, very, and then there's coronavirus, there's the maskers, the anti-maskers, the vaxxers, the anti-vaxxers. So we have, um, we have so much storyline going on in America right now. It's, it's incredible. What, what has got your attention over the weekend? What have you been thinking about? Well, locally, we, as far as like the papers and the magazines go, they they stay very local, their hometown. Um, so we don't dive into national unless there is um, something that pertains to the community, and you know the locals would need to know. Um, as far as yikes, um, as far as that goes. Now, with that being said, hang on, I might drop that. Um, with that being said, we did have, now I'm not doing this well. I don't know what happened. There we go. Okay. Um, forget it. I'll use it every time. There we go. Um, sorry about that. So with having hometown newspapers and magazines, if there's something that is going on locally, and I, I think I already said this, we'll cover that. Um, if there's something national that comes in as far as like a protest or um, back the blue or the rally to go back to school or things like that that actually come to our community that we can go out and cover, then we cover that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the only national news that we really cover is like 9-11. We had a piece on 9-11 last week um, because that was, I mean, that's, that's something that affected all of us. It's something that all of us went through um, except for the youngins that weren't born yet. Um, but that's, that's for us to sit there and, and to yeah. remind people and help them remember and help them walk through what we went through during that time. Well, that's been a, a topic of discussion. Yeah. Um, you know, I think particularly in this year and last year where there are people actually signing up for, you know, to go into the military, um, and fight in a war that started after nine 11 who weren't born when 9-11 happened. Yeah. That's pretty incredible. That's that's a very long war. Um, you know, I do want to give credit where credit's due for the president pulling us out of those, or at least 
having a serious discussion about that. I think a lot of people believe that that that's what we're doing is pulling out of those those wars and mm -hmm. and ending those wars. Um, you you have a particular uh, impression of nine eleven. You went through uh, a lot. Your brother um, joined the military after that. Tell mm -hmm. us about how nine eleven impacted you. Well, and we talked about that this weekend. It's it's interesting to go through and, and to hear the different stories from all of us that lived, you know, through that time. And, and I'm sure that that's the same as, you know, what our grandparents would say and their grandparents and things like that. But um, I find it remarkable that, you know, something that I lived through was something very different than what you lived through. Um, during that particular time, I was in Paso Robles. Um, I was getting ready. I was a, a manager of um, an optical store in Arroyo Grande. I was in, I lived in Paso. I was getting ready for work. Um, and I was told to turn on the news. Um, I think my mom called or something like that. So I turned on the news and, and, um, and, and just watched the day. Um, you know, it was, it, I don't, I don't think I really understood how it would impact me that day. I don't, I, I think, and I read a piece, um, recently about, um, September 12th and how important September 12th was, because that was the day I think that really, I think going through 9-11, especially not being in New York at that time, it's almost like you, you don't know what you saw was real. Like you're still trying to figure out, it, did that really happen? Yeah. And so then on 9-12, that's when it started sinking in throughout, I think, the world that, you know, New York was attacked, the U.S. was attacked, and... And at that moment, I remember my, my, I worked for a corporation and they were based in Atlanta and we, we all were on a conference call that day and they said, we are going to be sending flags out. We're going to send out every patriotic possible thing that we can to all of the stores, get it up as fast as possible, give discounts to every military that you have, you know, we're pulling together, you know, and it was, it, it wasn't the, it, it wasn't the retail side that I heard from them. It was the strength of being together, the unity of being patriotic and being an American, that's what I heard that day. And so as I walked through that with my corporation and, you know, I mean, we had lab coats, I had, you know, the, the flag on it. And then within months later, Chaz, my little brother, graduated from high school and had already enlisted in the Marines. And so it just happened to be that 9-11 happened at the same time. He'd actually joined the Marines before. Um, we always, we all joked about that. That was a protest against my dad. You know? Yeah. But it was, it was something that he wanted to do. He was very passionate about. A lot of people joined after that too. I mean, it, it was, it they was, did. it yeah. was very, uh, very patriotic. The movement, it was. the yeah. movement toward being an American. And, and I think you noted, you know, the nine 11 happened and that was, you know, it was a shock. Mm -hmm. And, and it was like, whoa, what just happened? And I think, yeah. you, you know, you mentioned nine twelve. that's when we, we all said, okay, now what does it mean? Right. And we started to, to put things together and, and, uh, then, you know, the, the war and, and everything that happened after that and, and going well, into so, and, so that's the difference right there. So like that we were talking about is so, so then we walk through that and it starts lightening up a little bit, you know, as far as like, I, I, I think we were all very much impacted, but then the military families, and I can only say this as a military family, you know, when Chaz was deployed, he was deployed at 18, 19 years old. And so this is our baby brother out of, you know, five girls, <laughs> the, the sixth, the sixth child is a boy. And, yeah. and so he goes off to war that 
none of us had any clue what or fathom what that was. You know, I, I knew of the Afghanistan war when I was a kid. I had a pin pal that would send me things and things like that. But I, I guess I, I didn't really like fathom what actually was happening. Um, but this one I did. I was older. I understood it. I understood what happened. I lived through what happened. I knew why he was going over there, um, at, at least, what, you know, at that time. And, and so then when he was over there, then all we had was the reporters to, to, to bring us what was happening because Chaz barely could call. And when he could, he could only talk to either my mom or my dad and just say, hey, I'm okay. And this is, you know, but he couldn't tell us where he was and he couldn't tell us anything like that. And um, so I remember listening to the reporters as, you know, the Marines went in and they were one of the first ones in and their battalion went in and, and listening to them and trying to just make sure that, you know, as, as, they were, as they were going through this, it was interesting because looking back, and we talked about this too, journalists don't do that as much anymore and, and maybe just because we don't have the same kind of setting but journalists were there and they were they, they were boots on the ground right. with them they, and they were, were in the tanks they were yeah. going with they them were in the and desert and yeah it was crazy and yeah. so that's how we knew what was going on and so we you know for me personally I walked through this I had the yellow ribbon I had the flags all over my house you know and um and so as we walked through that I 9-11 and you know, being being a patriot is, has been something that's very important to me. I, I believe in our country. I believe in what we're doing. Um, I don't always believe in the leadership, but I believe that when we pull together, that's when we do wonderful things. And if you look at our history and and look at you know when when we've actually made movement and made change, it's when we it's when we stopped fighting and we pulled together. Um, and that's and, and that's what you know all of that meant to me. Is I, I watched that. I watched people pull together. I watched that that happen. And then. Two years after 9-11 in 2003, I was able to actually go. My sister lived in Manhattan, and um, so I went to Manhattan to visit her and went downtown. And um, and at that time, the chain link fence was still up. Rubble was still there. They didn't have quite an idea of what they were going to do. They were still – they had plans out that people were still giving – um, I know they did a vote and then they also did you know, different bids and things like that. I don't know like what that. they were going to do at ground zero. They Correct. Called it, right? Yeah. And so they, but along the fence were still the missing posters of people that, you know, they didn't know were, you know, obviously we, we now know that, you know, most of them perished, you know, when mm-hmm. the buildings fell, but they, they were still looking. And it was amazing to me that families were still down there telling the stories of their loved ones that were in the building that day or that were just visiting that building or, you know, were going to, to work down the street or, um, and it felt like, it felt like a, like sacred ground that I wasn't yeah. technically supposed to, like, I, I didn't, I don't think I said a word when I was down there because it was just. The weight of the, of the, the environment and the weight yeah. of the atmosphere and, and the yeah. reality that that all happened there. Yeah. I mean, the, those two towers were the biggest things in New York. And they were. And as a kid, I went, to, I went to New York as a kid and I remember going by them and standing in front of them and you know it was it's it's things like that that you look at that you take for granted and and at the time you don't even know you're taking them for granted um but it's things like that that you for me anyways I go back and I I wish that maybe I'd spent a little more time looking or a little bit you know I don't know there's just like little things it's like oh if, if, if I had only known but I mean at the time I was there, I think I was nine. So, I mean, I don't know what I would have done. But, yeah. But it's just, you know, I don't know. It's Well, it's it, just, it, was a, it was a time in our life that brought the American spirit together. Yeah. And, and it's, it's one of those things where, you know, a common enemy 
brings it, it unifies people when you have a common enemy you you suck it all up and you, you you get together and you go okay it's us versus them we know how to do this and you know the the threat and danger of the enemy is is greater than the threat and the danger of from each other and because we're as as americans and as as people in our community we hurt each other too you know it's not like we're we're all just perfectly peaceful and and yeah. nothing goes wrong here we are a threat to each other but that in, instance said wait there's a threat to all of us here there you know that's them and we didn't exactly know who them was maybe at that time or we had an idea or it's these terrorists and um but it was an us versus them thing it brought us all together and we saw that with um with coronavirus this year it was a whoa that's a threat against all of us we need to come together and we did that you know and, and then yeah. you know and then what that threat was well you know going to war in afghanistan and iraq that continued to put an us versus them thing and i think people it, it did to a point i think i think unfortunately and and i'm gonna say this and it's probably wrong um in some accounts but i feel like the farther we get away from something the, the more room there is to blame somebody else or split the lines so COVID happened we could all pull together because nobody knew what we were looking at we yeah. pulled together governor pulls together we all pull together and we we decide you know we're going to take care of each other and we're going to do this right you know within weeks we had advertisers emailing us we're all in this together we had to figure out that. you know yeah. different supply supply lines and how we were going to get goods and services to different people who were now cut off for right. some reason right. now but i do i do think Hold that on, let me finish that thought though okay before you cut me off is that so the, the, the point is though with that is that so when we start there it gives us some time I didn't mean to say cut me off. Yeah, no, we're, I'm really eating a worm over that over here. <laughs> just really, really highly upset. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna take the camera off of you just for the rest of the the show for that comment. Okay, no, sorry. <laughs> a little. No, no, no. Go yes. ahead. Don't finish up because yeah. I, I think we're saying the same thing. That's you know. so. So then, when COVID happened, we pulled together, but then it starts to lighten up, and you can start to see the divide. And I feel like, like. The war was like that too. We yeah, all went in that right. together. We all 9-11. Of course, we're going to go fight this. And then we're over there. And as the months and the years pass by, you start to see a divide. Now, the divide always has somebody in the middle too. So it's not like a two-way street. Yeah. It's always, it always seems to be there's three. <laughs> so um, whatever that middle one is a, a much of a lot of different ideas and people and things like that, which I try to stay in that middle because I like to hear both sides and I like to feel yeah. like I'm, I'm, I can give good input and insight on both sides as well as people giving that back to me. Um, but I feel like in our history and, and even just in the, in the history of, of the years that I've been born and alive, that's what I continually see. It's, it's like, yeah, we're all in this together, but then we're not, yeah, we're going to all fight this together, but then we're not. And it's like, well, I think that's, that's <laughs> what I was going to, to agree with you on um, and get and get to that point is that there's parallels between and you brought that up parallels between 9/11 and and coronavirus is that okay we're gonna pull it together and then as information begins to form around the idea and going to 9/11 you have wait a minute you, you we were attacked by a group out of Afghanistan but you're going to war in Iraq and then all of a sudden different storylines begin and 
And I think that's what's so important is, is that as Americans, we have a storyline. And when you fracture that storyline and you say, well, this is, um, well, this is, uh, you know, one version and this is another version. At first, the, the very first day of 9-11, we were attacked. You know, we were attacked. This is who did it. There we go. Now we need to all pull together. Even in that crisis mode, we didn't even know what happened. We didn't even know who attacked us. We just knew that, you know, they said it was an attack. We all, all we knew is we need to help people. We need to get people out of the building. Well, we out saw of it. Yeah, we saw it on TV, I mean, right? Was, and we saw and it so, with our own eyes. And, and we were just supporting our, our firefighters and our first responders, getting the people out of there. We wanted to save lives. And that, that's a, a parallel to coronavirus. We, did, we didn't care what it was. We just want to save lives. We just want to make sure that we're all together on this. And then as storylines begin to develop, then that then there's the splinter. And I think coronavirus happened just quicker than the 9-11. Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah, like, yeah, like the storylines that came out yeah. of, of the, the war in Iraq and Afghanistan, you're like, wait a minute, like they're starting to be. Well, I think there, there's, a, there's a very crucial part to all of this too. 9-11 happened 19 years ago. 19 years ago, I had a flip phone that did not take photos. Like, right. And if I you maybe, took, and took I maybe photos, had it for maybe like five months before. The movie but, Sasquatch photo where it's just a big blur sometimes. Right. And like so it, pixelation. The, the amount of technology that we had 19 years ago, there's a vast difference in today. Right. So it's possible that coronavirus could have done this but you know, months or years down the line, if we were still working with the same type of technology that we did 19 years ago, right? But we're not, right? So now, 19 years ago, we nobody have had people the internet really. Us, like it, uh, no. to have the internet in your house back then in, in 2001 was a it's a big deal. It was, it was you're probably on dial-up. You're, I mean, it was yeah, much yeah, different. Dial-up. I mean, I think I think I and got now everybody my has first it. TV that had like what was that? It, it wasn't. It, it's almost like the Apple TV today, but I mean hundred like years ago but um i'm not that old but uh, but anyways so it was like the first tv that you can you can look something up but it was just like only limited to like the amount of information right. that was in that database right. you know right. and so um and, and and again i mean i at work i, I worked on a dos system you know that was all pro right. programmed by our corporate and now everybody and, has yeah. you know a handheld computer that takes yeah. 4k video right. and transmits right. you know gigabits worth yeah. of data so in a second all we knew that happened that day is what the news put on tv right. and what the reporters reported in the newspapers that's what we got and it was like four channels for information right and and now we have 300 channels of information and everybody you know everybody's a, a blogger a million, everybody's a, like, a, a million different <laughs> channels on youtube and facebook and everybody Twitter putting out and, yes everything uh, a, a different yeah. version and and sharing information right. that so now i take earlier. this information that comes to me and i have to verify it with at least 10 different sources and i probably get at least 10 different stories and then i can form the story that i think is actually semi-legit with going back to numbers and statistics and facts and you know and so, right. so there's, there's so many elements to today that I find that are, are, are both a, a help, but it's a hindrance as well. I mean, there's, there's a lot of research that we have to do now. I feel like we have to be ahead of our game a lot more now than we've ever had to be. And, and I feel like people would disagree with that. Like people think, well, you could just read, like whatever's on the front page, that's what it is. Whatever the Washington Post puts out, that's of course the news. Whatever New York Times says, of course, that's a fact. Well, it's not. Right. The journalist over there, they're, they're, they have to get things out quickly. 
well, they've changed their whole model set. That's a good um, a good parallel too to how it was then and how it is now. There was like four channels for information mm-hmm. and and or or six channels of information yeah. and news channels, and they would put out news. And if they corrected themselves or they advanced the story or they changed, they said, you know what, this is, you know, we just found new information that's coming out of that same channel. Now you have like, uh, you know, I think it was MSNBC or, or it was NBC um, that, that, you know, put out that story. We talked about that there's people in Oregon setting fires and they said, well, there's no link to these people and, um, and, uh, any protesters or anything like that. And so NBC put that story out. Well, you have people sharing it now. Now NBC can put out the story goes, oh, we, okay, the person arrested for that is a, uh, is a protester, a known protester who um, has, is an activist. And, but the, it's the same channel, but it's not coming through with the same volume and velocity or weight because now it's, it's not up to this news channel anymore to distribute the information. The information is now given to the general public to distribute widely on Facebook or, or social media platforms where you put it, it's not coming straight from the television where everybody's watching the same show anymore. It's it's OK. Here's the correction, but it doesn't get spread and, and it doesn't get shared. So then you have that's that's the important point right there is that they put it out. They can retract it, but the story's already out. So, yeah. you know, person A, B and C isn't going to go back probably and grab the retraction and say, Oh, sorry guys on Twitter and Facebook and, and, um, TikTok. They're not going to go and, and put it back out and say, Oh, they retracted that. No, they're still going off of the first one that says that there were no protesters or there right. were no set fires or whatever it is. And because there's a narrative that, yeah. and, and everybody's pushing a narrative. And, and this and happens you know, with everything. We're just pick, pinpointing on this one because it's recent and it just right, happened just over happened the weekend. weekend. Yeah. But, this happens with everything that happens in, in, in really the world. Right. Um, I listen to podcasts of, of a couple people that live in Japan and um, the UK, and actually both, both of them now live in the UK again. Um, he was born and raised there. He moved to Phoenix, Arizona, got into some trouble, moved back to the UK. But, but the way that they talk about world events, I, I really like the way that they present things because they look at it as, as we are one. Yes, there's U.S. and there's the U.K. and there's Japan, but but the way that they look at it, we are all so intertwined that I don't feel like American politics or American media really understands that or shows that. They probably understand yeah. it, but they don't show that. They don't show the. And I think in terms of a a, a presidential election year, it also is like. Okay, yeah. there's a bunch of stuff happening, but the biggest thing that's happening, ha- everything yeah. has to do with with a pol- you know a political framing around a right. presidential election, and then after that, then we'll go back to paying attention to how we interact with sad, the entire world. That's, that's how these things are getting lost. Yeah, that's how these important topics are getting lost, and how we can help each other is getting lost because the divide that all of us are in right now, um, and I say that because I, it's it's we could look at it as America. But it's it's a it's a worldwide issue right now that everybody is divided in some way in some fashion whether that is the masks or the 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 non-mask or the vaccine or the non-vaccine in every element that we have that's but crucial on, to on us. On those two topics you just yeah. brought up, whether you do one thing or or you believe in one thing or you act in one way or another, you get automatically put into camps. 
Well, no, but that's the thing. That's why we're all divided. Yeah. And that's why I was saying, like, no matter what we're going through right now, there there's two camps for almost anything that you look right. at right now. Like, which I can't is amazing be, to me. I can't just be it's an American who doesn't want uh, to wear a mask for coronavirus because I don't care and I don't believe in that. I, I can't be that and just be an American. I, I am that. And then it's like, oh, well, you're, you must be a, a right wing, you know, person because that's what, what right wing people are doing. And then if I were, if I was like, I, everybody needs to wear a mask. This is, a, you know, we have a big crisis. And it's like, oh, well, that's left wing. And, and that's the narrative coming out of the left wing. I think, like, no, can I be an American and have an, have a brain just and a decide? Human. Yeah. And just, and just be a human and decide, <laughs> right. this is how I feel about this. Yeah. You know, I, I have done my research. I've done my study and this is how I feel about this. And I don't, I don't fall into one camp or another. Can't I do that? Or, you know, and, and the, the overriding narrative is no, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. Every choice you make puts you in one camp or another. And I brought this up like, well, if I'm a, if I'm pro gun and pro choice, like, where does that put me? Is, is, am I just a confused human being? Like, I don't know. I don't know what's going on in the world because I can't be both of those things, but I can. So why can't I? Well, you can. And, and the other thing is, is that, and this, this is, this is part of what I feel like is missing is that in relationships that you have, whether it's a husband and wife relationship, whether it's, you know, a partner in love relationship or it's a friend relationship or, or, or even a, a colleague relationship, there's always going to be times that you disagree. There's times that one person feels a certain way about something, whether it's strong or just an opinion and the other person's not going to agree with that. That is the beauty of what we are as humans, because we all have our own brains. We all have our own passions and ideas and things that tick us off and things that make us excited, whatever it is. But then to try to take everything that I believe and put it on you and then decide, oh, I'm sorry, everything that you say is moronic because you don't agree with everything that I say just cuts me off from anybody that's going to enlighten me to maybe think about something in a different form or a different fashion. Now, it doesn't mean that when I listen to you, if I still think, eh, no, that doesn't sit right with my moral compass, I disagree with that, it doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It just means that I have a different moral compass that I'm going to follow. Right. You have a different moral compass that you're going to follow, but that doesn't make you a bad person, and that doesn't make me a bad person. Well, it comes into actual facts as well. It's not even just an opinion, but there is a fact, and if, if there is a fact, and I, and I acknowledge that fact, um, and but say, if I feel strongly enough about something, even if you bring a fact up, I could completely make that fact go away in my own head. Right. I could. I mean, that's you just it. ignore that fact. A hundred percent. You're not going to take that into consideration no. when making your decision or Correct. making your opinion. You're going to leave that fact out Correct. because it, because it will force you to have a different opinion than what you have. If you accept it as a fact, it could, it could do that or I could feel that where you're getting your facts from could be overrode by something else that I've read or a fact that I feel like I found in a different, on a, you know, whether it's a different website or a different um, company or, or wh whatever the case is. So, but again, but I don't have to tell you how wrong you are. You can tell me that fact. I can say, okay, I understand that. And then if I don't agree with you, you can say, okay, well, at least I gave her the fact. And I can think, eh, at least he gave me the fact. Or yeah. what he thinks is fact and then we move on but the problem right now is that we have is that people stop there now you gave me a fact now you're fighting me when you're not fighting me you're just giving me a fact or your fact and then when i reply back and let's say that you didn't get upset about that but i did now i we're both wedging something in between each other 
without really even thinking about the fact that we love each other or that we're friends or we're colleagues or whatever it is, we forget that respect of another human. I well, mean, I the one thing that you and I have always agreed with is that humans are amazing things anyways. Like for us to be able to have this conversation and even argue about it while we're yeah. spinning around in this giant gas ball right. in We're, we're spinning at a thousand miles like, an hour on a planet careening through the universe in basically infinity around right. a, a giant gaseous you know, flame. And that's, that's our life. Right. And, and, in, and while we do that, we want to argue about who's going to be in control of these. You know, we all think they're really big deals, but they're really how big of a deal are they uh, when you take into respect that we have zero control about what's going on in the world. And I think that that's where the, you know, we have those divides. It's, it really becomes about control and, and yeah. about how one person controls another person through, um, through cancel culture. They, you know, they, they use that to say, you know, we're going to control that, that you don't get to speak on and Twitter does this. And, and there's a lot mm -hmm. of information about that. And, and, um, and Facebook has gotten involved in it. In fact, um, Facebook has come out and said that they are um, going to take action against um, people around a particular political narrative during the process of, of counting votes and counting ballots. And, and the problem is that instead of, instead of taking personal responsibility for things that we are doing or, th or saying or thinking or, or founding our beliefs on, we are are deferring to some alternate authority to say, okay, you decide what the facts are. And when, when, we when we disagree on that authority, then we get into this, well, I have my authority, you have your authority. I, I'm listening to CNN, you're listening to Fox News. My authority says you're stupid. Your authority says I'm stupid, and, and, but you're wrong and I'm right. And, and when we have actual facts, we have truth to stand on. And I think we're in a, we're in a weird place right now in society where, um, and in the education system. And, and I think there's that there's everything wrong with our education system and that we're educating the children as if they are, um, are, and, and you'll hear teachers and professors, you know, say this, like you are the minds that we're going to mold and, and you are the, the empty vessels that we are going to help guide into the future. Instead, there are facts of, of why this person is a person and, and how they get through life and how they will get through life. There are facts about how they, you know, what their rights are in terms of how they treat other people. And instead of trying to figure that out as an 18 year old, say, okay, now you have personal responsibility because you're 18. Well, you just, the first 17 years of their life, you remove your personal responsibility from them and pretend that somebody else is responsible for everything they do. Instead of, teaching them from the age of five or three that here's how the world works and this is what you're going to run into later in life and and this is these are the things you need to know and and then they can venture through life based on those facts but we're we're in such a tug of war of of what control and power is that it it does you know we we aren't we don't want to give human beings as a yeah as an education system and all the way through the universities that we're not, we don't want to give them the right to just make those decisions on their own. We want to, and, and it really comes down to the same kind of thing. Like we want to protect them and it's like this protection and we do it with the coronavirus and you do it with the nine 11 and the, the terrorists is like, Oh, give us, you know, control over how we protect you because we know what we're doing. It, and it's really not working. 
Yeah, I, I think. And the reason I say it's really not working because yeah. things are getting worse. And if, if, if the product of your, your, your impact is making a problem worse, then you're probably not solving the problem. You're probably harming. And, and I think that's, that's kind of where I, I go with this is like, there is, you, there is a objective harm and there's an objective good. When I like defining what harm is, like if I harm you, I, I could physically hurt you. I could emotionally hurt you, mentally hurt you. Um, I could um, stop you from making advancements in your own life, which ends up hurting you. And, it all, and all of that ends up hurting all of us. But those are, you, you can objectively say, these are harming people. You can't do this to other people um, or yourself. And this is harm. Um, and then the, on the other side, you have good. And you have, well, what, what is it that you're doing that is helping people improve or helping yourself improve? Well, I think so. you addressed a couple different topics there. So I think, so talking about the schooling system and the educational system, there, there is such a, a strict criteria on teachers in order to get through a cer certain curriculum and certain um, level of education per student that really stops the process of um, more free thinking. So, and, and that's not to the teacher's fault. That's not, that, that's not their fault. That's our education system itself. That's, right. the, that's the fundamental, right. what we're putting out and saying, you have to meet these terms, you have to meet this criteria, or, or basically you fail, and right. you're failing the kids. So really great teachers, and, and we have, in, our, in North County, we have a, just a, a plethora of really great teachers. Um, that do try to implement free thinking and, and you know creative thinking and things like that. There is obviously a, a certain element that they have to stay within um, that only allows so much of that creative thinking, but you know and, and, and outside the box thinking. But but I definitely do see it, and we, we are very blessed at where we live on the Central Coast in, in California, where we're pretty protected, we're pretty sheltered for for the most part. Um, you know, we have LA on one side and San Francisco on the other. And then, you know, we, we live in this very, um, an enclave, no, right. To a it's, point. To a point. Yeah. But it, it's, we just, we don't, we don't feel the impacts that some, some other, obviously larger cities do. Um, but we, we definitely have, you know, our, our own challenges that we go through. So, so that's on the education system, yeah. the, the college education system is very interesting to me and I laugh a little bit about it because my career in college was very different than some. Um, I was a, a very, took me a very long time to, to go through college, many, many, many years, yeah. um, where, you know, my little sister went and she did four years right off the bat. She went to Westmont, you know, was, went on a, a volleyball scholarship and, um, and, and so I, and, and even from, you know, talking to friends and, and colleagues and, and that went through, you know, college right away, the experience that they had was very different than mine. Um, I feel like I have a lot more street smarts, and, and they even say that. They've got a lot more... Um, book smarts and, and well, academic... I can't say book smarts. It's just, it's yeah. just a different... It's just a different vibe. When you live on campus, when you when you go through that college experience where you are right there one-on-one -on -one with the professors, mine was a lot online, 
It was a semester here, a semester there. So it was never like, hey, I joined a a fraternity and now I understand the college experience. It was like, I'm going to college for a point. There's a reason for this. I have to get through this because I need the advancement in my career and this is what I'm doing. Where you go through a four-year college, you're learning who you are. I was learning who I was as I was working not in a college setting. So those settings are very different. And that's what I'm finding now. Right. You, you are going through your college education, like you said, for a purpose that is, has a, it's goal oriented. And the goal isn't just to get your diploma. Your goal is to learn things that advance you in your career. You already had a career path where you have a lot of, of kids who are going in order to to hit that next level. Right. I needed to advance my education. So that you have, you have a a lot of other kids who are living in, um, a four year college experience that, that haven't even started the first level of their advancement. So they don't even know where they're going. Right. And they, you know, there are the liberal arts, um, um, disciplines that what are, what are they really learning? that can apply to anything in the real world. And there's a huge, there's a, a, a giant, and I, I, I don't even know, you know, the right word to say, but um, I think the word would be massive, a massive collection of, of disciplines and, and liberal arts diplomas and, and degrees that have no actual value in the real world. So then, but, but you don't want to take away from the value that these people are learning this subject, but, out of that, they have they have so then there there's this conflict between reality in the real world and what they're learning at four years of you know just pouring themselves into this subject, and then I could just imagine you get out of college and you go well, how does this help me at all? And 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 then there must be something wrong with the world because I just went through this this college experience with hundreds of friends that also did the same thing and we all learned the same thing and it has no application in the real world. So there must be something wrong with the real world. And, and I think that's where we get into going back to the, the circumstances around nine 11 and um, coronavirus is, well, they, they have a common enemy and all of a sudden you have a common enemy that's, that's created out of the idea where you, you have, muscle memory you have you have exercise and practice in in learning or educating or or um endeavoring in a certain direction that leaves you at odds with the rest of the world and all of a sudden there must be something wrong with the rest of the world and then it kind of feeds back into itself and it's they call it a feedback loop where it 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 just uh, and there's a lot of other people who can explain all of this and and uh in, in much better terms than i can but i'm just i'm just relating this problem to that where where now you see that and it's like well because you you're you're using language differently or or and really when we get back to that the when when we're all together we're all basically adopting a a, a common um storyline mm-hmm. and then as we learn different things that storyline splits and so when when you get into a place like like we are today and certain storylines it's like, well, this this particular group of people is being and and to this is what they've said, hunted down in the streets by police. Well, that's a storyline, but you know, and then we get back to where where are the facts that back that up and and what how are we all going to agree on what the truth is there? And you have people who aren't adopting facts in certain stories and they're just going with narratives and they don't care about the facts. 
Well, I, I, and, I, and then, and yeah. then you have this, well, where's the, where's the common storyline? How do we get back together on that and, and start to, to bond as a, as a community? So again, you addressed a bunch of different topics there again. So to go back to the schooling and, and the college career and the educational system with, with that particular subject, you know, there, it goes back to exactly what you were saying about our kids. You know, we, we, we protect our kids. We have helicopter parents. We have, you know, that protect them for the 17 years. By the time they hit 18, they say, okay, see you later. Um, you know, I, I had a different childhood um, than, than, you know, I can't say than others. We all had different childhoods. We all come with our own baggage from our childhoods. You know, and, and with my particular childhood, I feel like I was, I was left to a point where I had to take care of myself it's not like my parents were gone or anything. They, they had their own issues and things that they were working on and, and, you know, not to go into that. But I felt like, you know, with my circumstance, by the time I hit 18, I knew that I was going to be on my own at some point because that, that was a choice that I was making. Now, when I got out into the real world, I didn't understand finances or rent or paying my own car payments and things like that. So, so those were things that I had to learn. Or like my younger sister, she didn't have to learn that until after she was out of college. And so there was a lot of things there that even when she got out, she had a conversation with me and she was like, how are you? And I, I'm two years older than her. How are you? Um, at the time, I was a, a, um, a regional operations manager, which oversaw the, the centers in California so I, you know, and Washington. And she was like, well, how do you have that? And you don't even have a degree yet. I was like, well, I've been working at the same company now for five years, you know, and, and right. every time they've asked me to do something, I do that. I get my, I had my certification, I had my license, I had, you know, so all the things that I had You were to do specialized in, that, in a field that, that helped you adapt and, right. and grow through that. Correct. That and taught me things corporate that I could take into my structure. real world too, budgets and right. um, paying things on time and paying right. invoices and AP, and, you know, so, so there was a lot of things that I learned from my job at young that I could transfer into my life where right. I felt like sh what Charlie was saying is that like a lot of the things that she learned in college, yeah, they're, they're book smarts and there's these things, but they weren't teaching her how to function, you know, once she got out. And so that's the disconnect and that's not pulling anything on Charlie. She's, she's a genius in her own right. But the thing is, is that, you know, in our, in our high schools and in our college systems, that, that needs to be taught that th those basic fundamentals for people to live in society today, regardless of whatever political race you're a part of, you need just basic skills to live and to function and to do well. You know, we right. all need to understand our credit reports. We all need to understand the importance of, you know, not putting everything out on social media and things like that. And that's, that's not always taught. So kind of bringing it back to where you are now, I feel like what, what I've seen is that, we have, we have a part of our society that's driven on emotion only. It's not fact-based. It's not, it's not even book-based. It's, it's, and now it's not even our history-based. It's this idea and this feeling and this emotion. And because I feel that, then of course I'm right. And, and there's, there's a huge warning yeah. sign with that. Because you can't ever, you can't come to terms with somebody like that. It's like in your own personal relationships. If you've got somebody that overly emotional, and I'm not trying to say anybody's overly emotional, but some people are, it's very hard to ever get to a common ground with them. I've had people in my life that were overly emotional, and I at one point just had to say, okay, I can't have that relationship anymore because they're never going to hear me. I'm always going to be wrong. 
Right. No matter what I do, even if I sit there, the facial expression I have or whatever it is, is going to be wrong because they're 100% emotional based. So everything that I say comes off as I'm sitting on a high horse or I have more information or of course I know. And that's, that's not what it is. It's, it's that I want to get grounded again. I want to be able to have some kind of footing where we're on equal footing again. And then we can build from there. I need to know what your purpose is though. If you're going to argue me something, tell me what your purpose is and what the solution is so I can help you with that. If you don't have a solution, I can't help you with that. Yeah. So I don't know if I digress or not, but. No, I can, uh, I can understand that. And I think that, you know, a part of that is that, um, are we, what's the purpose of the, of the conversation? And, you know, in, in our relationship, you and I sometimes, you know, I just need to listen to you. I don't need to give you any input. I don't need to have come up with a solution. I'm, you're, you're just expressing something to me. I'm listening. And that's the end of it. The end of it. Right. But at the same time, I feel like we've gotten, we, we are at a point in our relationship where we know that we're both fairly always solution based. So if I don't want a solution from you, I try to preface it right away. I need to just voice this. I don't need a solution from you because your brain automatically right. starts thinking of a solution just like mine does. Right. Cause I'm, I'm trying to read into what you're saying. Yeah. Are you asking me to fix the problem right. or are you just, are you just expressing right. the problem to me? Yeah. So you are kind of working it out yourself right. and I can maybe give you some, some, uh, a different perspective on right. it to help you come up with a, an idea of, yeah. of your own. And, and I think that's, that's a lot. Um, it's a lot different that, that conversation, that dynamic is very different than some of the, the conversations we have that are emotion, emotionally grounded and emotionally based without uh, the willingness to put all the facts on the table. And then, and then they are asking for a solution. They're actually asking you, this is the problem. You need to fix it for me. Right. And you're like, well, I think that's half the problem. And I don't think you're looking at the other half of the problem. And, and they're like, no, this is the only part of the problem I want to look at. I don't want to look at the other half of the problem. I want you to fix this part of the problem for me. And you're like, well, you know, and, and that, that becomes this problem that grows on itself. If you get a group of people who are like, yes, we all see it the same way. We're only going to look at half of the problem. We're going to demand that the other, at the people who disagree with us fix the problem. And, and it just, it, it, it dissolves the entire conversation where, you know, having a true, just, um, a conversation about, Hey, that's great. It's great that you think that I think it's wonderful that you have that opinion and that you have that. Um, and you know, I, I support you having that opinion. I, I, I push you to, because the, if they're given the opportunity and the responsibility to fix their own problems mm-hmm. th- in that regard, then, then they'll find a solution to it. They, you would think so. Or now, they'll some, start adding some people. Some people don't know how to find solutions and that's okay too. And I, and I have well, what found do we do that for those people. We help them. Uh-huh. So, and, and, and that's the thing, like there's in, in, and, and I base a lot of what, what I do on my corporate career, because that was, that's where I grew up. That's right. what my, 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 my baseline is that I always go back to. Well, you but learn as, how to function in a, in a, in a, I mean, they call that the corporate jungle. You, you, oh, yeah. you learn how yeah. to navigate that corporate jungle. That's, those are life skills that you are, are a better person for. You can, it, it, it creates this, you're like. Uh, and, and I, I mean this with all due respect, you, you're like a, you're a beast in, in the jungle. Like come at me. I, you, you can, you, you know what I've been through. You don't. And, and I can take a lot more than you think I can take. Come at me. I will, I will beat you because that's what I've been doing my entire career. So I think there's a, just a difference of, 
of uh, who a person is. And, and when you go back to, um, you, you talked to me and you compared yourself to your sister, your sister's like, well, I was, I went through, I did everything I was told to do. So why am I not getting the reward? And it's like, that's not, that wasn't really the promise. The promise wasn't that you were going to be now an executive at a company because you got your four-year degree. Uh, Jim Lehrer, uh, back in, in the 80s, he, he gave a, a commencement speech um, at SMU, and, and we have the clipping of that. I just love it. He, what he said is, is, you know, don't look at this degree and this diploma that we're about to hand you as an evidence of your education. Um, rather look at, at the opposite. Um, look at it and, and as a, um, a validation that you have entered into a world of, of perpetual ignorance. And, and what his point was is that you should always be looking to learn more. This is a degree that I, we hope we, what, the, what the college experience should, you know, should really give somebody is the idea that, wow, the world is a lot bigger than I thought it was. Mm -hmm. Not, wow, everybody else is wrong and this is why. You know, like, yeah. and, and so you come out of the, of the, with a diploma that says, Hey, you learned everything you were supposed to learn because you did exa exactly what we taught you. And then the fact that it doesn't work in the real life is everybody else's fault. Um, but you know, back to, I'm not sure they all say that, but, but you can get that for sure. Right, but there's a, there's a large on, group of, there's, yeah, there's, there, is, there, yeah. there are, and, yeah. and go back to the beast. There's, yeah. there's animals who are like, and, and I don't mean to, uh, to, degrade anyone like there's animals we are animals like we are not going to give up we are going to um, no that's a part of our that's a part of our human nature yeah i mean we we have that we see the top of the mountain and we're we're going to use our animal instincts to well, get to the top of the mountain and, and that's and that's the i think the kind of the caveat there is because we're also told to silence that beast too don't let that get too big because then you'll be overstepping don't let don't don't let your imagination go too far because that would be out of that would be out of character or that would be out of reach. So there's there's certain things that I think that children are taught into young adulthood and and then once they get out into the real world and they start feeling that, they start cowering down. So real quick, just so I can finish that the the last thing that I was saying is that I, I, I tend to go back to the the corporate world because of the fact that I, I did learn so much there and I did learn how to work with a, a number of different type of people, different different um, skill sets, uh, physicians, physicists, um, uh, front front office uh, nurses. Um, I mean, just just every imaginable type of person and profession in the healthcare career. We had that. We had that smorgasbord of everybody. Um, and so the one thing that I learned in leadership is that there's there's a we all have an end goal in, in most of the things that we do in our life. There needs to be a group of people that work together in order to meet that end goal. You're going to need the worker bees. You're going to need the lifers. You're going to need the people that, that do it for a calling. You're going to need the people that do it because it's, um, it's, it's, it's a, a, a job that they have to have in order to pay their rent. You know, you, you have all these different dyna dynamics of people that work together to get something done. It doesn't mean that any of them are in the wrong place. It doesn't mean that any of them don't matter more than the other. You know, the one thing that we used to talk about all the time is 
So the doctor would never see the patient if the front office person didn't answer the phone. Right. And if the front office person didn't do the intake form, the nurse wouldn't even know what they were talking about. The nurse wouldn't have, or the doctor wouldn't have any of the information that they needed if the nurse didn't go in and find out the backstory and figure out why the patient was there. The therapist that put the patients on the table wouldn't be able to do that position unless the nurses did their jobs in order to, so every single one touched each other. And then all of us in the operations in the corporate department, we wouldn't have jobs if all of these people weren't doing all of this work and the physicists weren't putting the plans together right. and all of that. So it, it takes this well-oiled machine and that is what America is too. And that's right. what I see that we're forgetting. And all of us have a part to play. So then comparing those two, you have your, your, your education that is developed through that ecosystem. You have, you have a doctor who is seeing patients um, coming up with a, uh, a prescription or, or, or a treatment for treatment that, plan. that yeah. patient. Uh -huh. um, and you have then other people who are trained at different levels to operate the machinery, to um, you know, do the bedside manner, to get the patient ready. Um, and you, you can learn elements of that through an education system. Say, okay, this is what this machine is. This is how you're gonna operate this machine. Um, but a lot of that, especially Nothing as- Nothing in my college career taught me to do what I did. Right. Nothing. So The so only that's... reason why I did it is in order to advance. That was it. Right. So, th and that's kind of my point is, is you learned everything actually through the system mm -hmm. that was created to create the, the product Correct. And, the, and the product you were, you know, working in for a long time was a cancer free patient. And so the product was a cancer free patient. And so the cancer, well, the, the end result the, is, the, yeah. yeah. Right. So the, um, so the, the patient would come in with cancer, you would, and the doctor would prescribe a treatment plan and the whole team would, would work around that. Mm -hmm to produce this cancer-free patient or, or, or at least, you know, to help the patient, some, you know, some form of, of limitation of the cancer growth or whatever it could be. And you learn how to operate and, and accomplish that goal by working together with that team. Um, and then a new machine would come in, you know, you didn't have to go back to, to the university to learn how to use that new machine. You were, you had a, a, a baseline understanding of how that machine worked in the, in the past. And they said, okay, this is how it works now. And we're going to, well, they would have trainers come in yeah. and they would go through a training development right. for with them. They would do testing and things like that. I mean, right. especially with radiation. I mean, there's, there's a, it, it's a, it's an incredible process to watch a new machine go into a building. Um, but again, not to digress into the, the, the money parts of all of that. The point is, is that there are so many different elements and people that allow that, that final treatment to, to physically happen. Right. You know, it's not just a button that all of a sudden magically showed up. Right. It's a handful of people with the guidance of the physician that decides what the best form of treatment is for that particular patient from their years of experience that he had or she had and, and what they were able to accomplish with other patients and what they know about the treatment today. And that, that's, that's what we do here with the newspapers and the magazines. And that's what, you know, we are hoping to do within our communities. And, and, and you and I have always felt like, you know, we, we can't complain about something unless we're willing to do something about it. Right. If we complain about it, we know for a fact that if it comes out of our mouth, we have to do something on the other end. Um, hence why you're running for city council, why we love the papers that we have, why we love the magazines we have, why we care about the people that work for us, why we care about the community, why we sit on different nonprofit boards is because of the fact that we, we feel like we need to do the work, but we only do the work together with the team of people, whether it's on the board or it's on the, um, the committee of, you know, one fundraiser or another. And, and when we pull together, that's when the magic happens. 
you and right. I, you and I can't make a difference if we're not willing to work with other people. And and you go back to that that the street smarts of of knowing your community too. And and this is one of those you know, our our business in the media is one of knowing our community. And you can take somebody who's not in our community and knows how communities work in general, and they can adapt to it. Mm -hmm. But they need to know, they need boots on the ground, they need real world experience. In. And the amazing thing too, that we, we were just talking about this morning is that you can tell the difference in the writing too. The, the writing from somebody that understands the boots on the ground, the walking with the people of the community, is very different than the person that is just covering the story. And we see that here locally, we see that nationally. Um, you know, and, and part of the reason we, you know, it was, we were kind of joking around the other day about part of the reason why we don't cover what's happening in Washington is we don't have a report in Washington, you know, right. so we would be reporting right. off of what another news outlet was, was portraying. Right. So if we had, we can reprint ground, right. something from the AP and, and right. go, this is what was reported right. from there, but we don't have yeah. anybody there. And then to, for us to just to proselytize on something that's happening over there, you know, that could be an opinion piece, but we don't have any, right. you know, that, that's not, that we don't have any direct relationship right. with anybody there. And I think that's, yeah. that's one of the things that we've, we've dealt with over the past six months here is that most of the news that we, we cover, um, is local, but now in the past six months, there's been two major issues yeah. that impact all of us. Um, in different ways and they're national stories, but they have a local mm -hmm. impact. And so juggling that and, and making that something that, that works for our, our newspaper to get information out there. But, um, kind of what I, what I wanted to go back to too is, and, and I just, I thought of this, I'll just put this out there. Um, it's not a, a, a you know, this, a summary of the entire, um, big picture, but there was a time when, um, and, and it was it was really like probably 30 years ago. I mean, we've we've really it's taken the education system a long time to catch up to the idea that CTE career technical education is a, a, a more valuable to most of our our students than a college degree will ever be. Now, college a college experience for me um, and, and my college experience was a op an eye opening experience. It was a wow. There's so much out here. There's so much different ways to look at life. There's so many different backgrounds that come from that. That for me was really a um, an eye opening part of my college education. But the how I learned to do what I did was to endeavor it and to continue to try to make myself better in it and actually work in the career and work in the industry that I wanted to mm -hmm. to be a part of. And so the, you you have this you know, 30 years ago, it was like, get a college education. Well, kind of interesting that Pete, my dad, he, he wasn't, he didn't care about college degrees. He got a college degree in math and, and he went on to, you know, make a business and, and do uh, computer programming. Um, and he, he never really pushed college degrees at all. But in, in, in large part, college degree was like, that was almost okay. You've, you know, you've, you've chosen a direction for your career and you've, you've, you've decided to be something. And, and, and that was a prevailing idea for a long time. And then it started to lose its value as well. You know, I could be a, a call. I could have a college degree and not get a job in the field that I went to school for, because that's not the real world. And so you're training all these people to come out of, of college, um, who went on this, you know, this educational track, and then the, the world left them behind 
And the, the, the industries that they studied for, behind, they just kept going. Well, the industry, yeah, the industries that they, <laughs> that they trained for are all booked up yeah. and they're, so they're, unless again, you go for a specific career. So, right. so like our therapist, radiation therapist, they have to have some, I think, I think now they didn't, I think probably 15 years ago, they didn't have to have an associate's degree, but now they do. They at least have to have an associate's degree before they can go into and get their radiation, um, uh, license yeah. but th so there's certain elements obviously physicists have to have a college degree have to have most of them all have masters um, physicians obviously so there are certain positions that you do have to go to college Absolutely, but the thing right. the thing that's different to go back to what you're saying is that there's a goal at the end a physician's not going and learning everything about a physician to be a uh, I don't know a lawyer right <laughs> you know so uh, the physician can't be a lawyer now could right. if they wanted to go to school over on the other side, but they they have one common goal at the end. The, the, the problem that I think what you're saying with an associate's degree or a bachelor's degree is that by the time you get to the end, you still have to figure out what you want to be. You still have to figure out what's next for, for the doctors and the physicists. They, they keep going. The attorneys, they keep going, but the, the, the students that have just the bachelor's degree in business administration, but have never worked in a business setting, are going to now go try to get that job in the business administration. And they're going to start at the bottom. And they have to start at the bottom. Yeah, they absolutely. And and that's the idea is that you know you have these these specialized college degrees that don't have any practical application. You have business degrees where you if you're going to go into business administration, also go find a job that is in the industry that you want to work in mm -hmm. and do that as well as get your education. And I right. think that's where the idea that you know you go to your four-year degree, you get done with your four-year degree, and then you figure out what you want to do for the mm -hmm. rest of your life. And instead, you need to, you can go to to start your career, get involved in the career and and the industry that you want to. Once you decide, yeah, this is actually what I want to do for the rest of my life, then tandem that and pair that with an education that mm -hmm. continues to grow you instead of this, you know. And so w back to the idea that you know you just go to college and you get this degree, and then and that's where you end up that that whole dynamic has changed, but you still have these colleges that are built on the idea that you got to go to college and you got to get these degrees. So now they well, and and half of our population still feels that way. Well, the, I mean, well, I, I don't have numbers for that, but I, I would assume just from people that I've talked to and people around, they still believe that. I feel like we look at it differently because our path was different. Now, if somebody was to come and talk to me today in high school and ask me, you know, what my idea of going to college would be. And, and like with our kids, I'm not going to tell them not to go, but right. I, I hope to give them some type of encouragement to be looking for the job while in high school that they can test out, whether it's an internship or it's a, um, or it's a, a job in, you know, whether it's in healthcare or it's in journalism or whatever, it, whatever they're drawn to get a job in that while you're in school. So that way you can, you can right. fi figure out if that's even the field you want to be in. So then that way in four years down the line, you're not trying to figure it out then. Right. And that, and that's the, that's the disconnect. And that goes back to what we were talking about with the high schoolers and, and even our kids as they're, as we're bringing them up, we, we put them into these places and then we're like, hope they make it. And it's like, well, we didn't give them any guidance. I mean, that's, I feel like that's what my parents did with me. It was like, oh, right. hope she makes it. I mean, granted, if I had, if I had make, made a different choice when I was 18 and probably stayed at home instead of moving out on my own, 
yeah, they, they probably would have given me some more guidance. But I was ready. I was done. I needed to be on my right. own. So I moved out. Um, right. So I fell on my face a lot, you know, and, and that's, I think that's also something else that people were like, oh, but they can't fall on their face. That's like the best time to fall on your face. Right. To fall on my face when I was 18. Exactly. And I got a job when I was 18 and a half, 19 at a company that I didn't even know that I was going to work at for eight more years. And, and at that time, you know, there was no internet that I could go Google how to be an optician. I just learned it on the job. And then once I went, once I did well in that and I became a manager, I couldn't Google how to be a manager. I had to do that on my own and I fell on my face a bunch and right. had a lot of people that helped me out too. But, but that's the thing is that I failed and got up and I failed and I got up. Well, that's, yeah. That, and when you're in those positions, you're actually, you're dealing with real life. Right. So as a manager, you have a customer come in, you, your job and your business is based on the fact that you're going to service this person. Right. So you have to figure out a way to service this person if, if whether they're complicated, whether they are challenging as a personality, mm -hmm. whether they're outright rude, whether they are so sweet, but they don't speak your language. I mean, all of these things you have to figure out on the job and in, in real time, how do I fix these challenges that are facing me and do that? And you do that every day. And so, and do that respectfully. I mean, that's the thing in the service industry, which I, I think is just crucial for any child to go through. And, and I wasn't a waiter. <laughs> But in the service industry, in the retail industry, you, you had to suck up anything that you had, whether you had a bad day when you walked in, whether you had issues going on at home, whether you didn't like the way that this person was talking to you, you had to suck it up because right. you were there to service them. Point zero. That's it. That's all you have. And so, you know, the thing is, is that the, the one thing that I always found easy for me was customer service. I was really good with customer service. I was great with the customers. What I, ch what was the challenge for me was having staff having a staff and and that's where I feel like I fell on my face a lot and and I didn't get a whole lot of guidance I had to learn it because I didn't the, the one thing that I did learn for myself is I never wanted to look stupid that 100 percent right. I never wanted to look like I didn't know what I was talking about and I didn't want to look stupid in front of somebody uh, my very first interview nobody ever taught me how to do an interview I did an interview with this gal I'm sure she thought that I was just an idiot I didn't know what to ask her I didn't know what I didn't even know how to interview somebody right by the second interview i had a list of questions i knew exactly what i was doing because i was never going to do that again right but I and you may have win. lost the best the best employee did. that you ever would have oh, had yeah. if you had been able to accomplish it but you have to take those licks and you have to take you those those yeah. hits and then get back up and and start over again and not try to figure out you know why somebody else you know was the problem in that dynamic right. but say it was me i i i can do better and <laughs> right. i'm going to do better and in right. that you, you create the dynamic where, and, and that's why, you know, what I call you like, uh, you know, when I, you know, and I'm the same way, there's a beast that is, that has been tested. You, you, I, I have been tested. I have been on the front line. I know what it is to, to lose and look like an idiot. I, I accept that. I know that that's capable. I'm capable of doing that today. Mm -hmm. And I know also kind of what the warning signs are for me and, and where to gauge myself. And, and it's not, you know, so there, there is just, we're, we're, I, I feel like getting back to it all, mm -hmm. we're in a good place. There are some really strange concepts going on in terms of rewriting history or reframing things that are, are completely, um, that are going to end up being like in the in annals of history as something that, well, look what this group tried to do. But there is a core of, of human beings and Americans that are, are willing to go, 
I am going to put myself out there. I'm going to, I'm going to challenge myself. I'm going to get beat up. I am going to do this. And it's, it's not the people who were, were born and, and, and come from the safe places that are going to end up doing that. It is going to be the people who, who were born and left to their own devices in some regard that, that have the tenacity to go. I know what it is to have nothing. I've gained a little bit. I learned how to gain a little bit and keep a little bit. I learned how to gain a little bit and keep a little bit more. I know how to do this from nothing. And once you know that you can go from zero to, to 100 with, and, and do it on your own in, in an environment, not, not on our own, right? But, yeah. but doing it with your own independence and your own, own determination, knowing there's not anybody who needs to pass me. Like, like in, in college, it's like, well, you didn't pass. Well, that's going to go on your permanent record and it's going to impact the rest <laughs> right, of your life. Right. But when you know, yeah. when you find out in, in real time and in real life that you can actually overcome all of that and you can, you can have dropped out of high school, you can have dropped out of junior high school, you could have done what, you know, any of along these paths where mm -hmm. you decided, uh, I no longer need what they're offering me. I can go get this in the real world, get real world experience and become something that I want to become because that's what life is and and i feel like that's the american way and the american dream is is about being able to do that and, and deciding i'm going to go in and i, I always I, I do bring up joe duhan um sometimes when i have this conversation um about education because he was our valedictorian in high school so in 1997 joe duhan smartest kid in in the class obviously got got super straight a's um, he was only challenged by his own cousin, uh, Jason, who was the, the salutatorian. And so these two guys were just, you know, they were just book smart. They had it all together. And he went to Cal Poly to be a biochemical engineer. And halfway through that, he's like, I don't want to do this. Um, and he got a job doing um, as a draftsman. And he, he went and became a draftsman as an apprentice. So the smartest kid in, in school who, who could go through any class ever um, at any university in the whole country and, and, and whiz it. He's like, I don't want to do this. I want to be a draftsman and I want to start my own business. And this, this is what I want to do. That's the kind of thing that, that people devalue. They're like, why would you do that? That's, you know, so you have this, these, these two conflicting, um, these conflicting cultures, really one is in the real world. Mm -hmm. and, and one is not based on the fact that I give you value because I gave you this diploma. The, it's, it's about, you actually went out and created a, com a, a complete life for yourself mm -hmm. based on the idea that you could do anything you wanted. Yeah. And I, I don't know, that's, that's, for me, that's, that's always very important as an American to remember is that this started as people getting together saying this is what we want to do. Well, and the beautiful thing too is that it's, it's also, if, if we can remember and look, and, and look at you know, how we got to certain places, you know, within our, our history and, and within our, um, within our country is that each, each generation grows. Each generation is better than the, the, the one before. And I believe that too. And so when, when, when we look back and, and it's disheartening to see people look back and say, well, look how horrible things are. Then tell me what the horrible things are give me a solution or at least give me an idea so then that way we can work because guarantee all the people that came before us looked around and said this isn't good this isn't right this we need to change this and then they did and they yeah. did they had a they had yeah. a point they had a solution and they fought for it and that's how movements actually 
come to fruition and, and, and get accomplished and, and actually have something that's achievable. If, if you don't have anything that's achievable and it's just this emotion and an idea, then nobody can, nobody can help. Nobody, because there's nothing physical to, 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 to fight for or to, to believe in. And so when you don't have that, then, then you just have, unfortunately, just chaos. And when chaos happens, then you do get that split and you do get that divide. And, and the beauty that I see in it is that we can look at something and say, you're right, that is wrong, that, that people should not be treated that way or women should not, you know, so there's, there's different elements yeah. all over. So what are we going to do to fix it? Well, I think the, the trajectory of, of America so far has been here is a, a group of people that are, that are oppressing another group of people. And this, this group of people isn't given all of the opportunity that this country has to offer. And that's, that's what was fought against. It was like, we need to remove that barrier and remove, and, and you got uh, the women's right to vote. You've got uh, you know, women's liberation movement in terms of, of getting into you know, corporate business and, and really disrupting you know, a, a male-dominated um, environment. And, and you have this where it's okay, the, the problem was that people aren't given the opportunity and that well give me just a moment. so the problem is that people aren't given the opportunity and then they are um, then they are then the barrier is removed and then they're given the opportunity and then they get to succeed in that opportunity and and that has been the the growth process where people are of any type uh, or any um, segment of the population are then given opportunity to to achieve, or at least on a, a equal playing field, what you had something. So, so I. This is a. This is a subject that I is is. is there's there's a lot of different opinions out there. I have, and this is just personally for me as a woman. I see, you you had brought up a point where, there there was. There was a, a point in that that corporations were only men, you know, and that women didn't have corporate positions. There's there is something about the feminist movement and you know equal rights and things like that. The, the thing that I see is that we keep forgetting is that 20, 40, 50, 100 years ago was very different than today. So busting through the barriers of the corporate world as a woman wasn't as seen maybe 50 years ago because the the role of the woman was in the home. And so a woman would get out of college, maybe have a career, but then go right into, you know, husband, babies, you know, and, and staying right, at home. Right. Which the, the push of the feminist movement and, and being a career woman myself I have a really hard time with that because I chose to be in a corporate career and a career woman, not because I didn't want to be home with my kids. It just was something that fulfilled who I was inside. That's who I was before I had kids. I continued that after I had kids because that was a part of who I was. Right. That was a part of the adult that I made on my own. Now, for me to judge the woman 50 years ago for not going into the corporate world or, or fighting those boundaries, she might not have wanted to. And that's okay. And, and that's, that's a part that I, yeah. I feel like we're missing. There's, there's that element of oppression and, and, and fighting those barriers. I don't, I, I don't not give credit to people that have pushed through those barriers and oppressions and, and, 
and fought for equality because there there were things that for sure were were um, just regular human rights that people should have. Now, should I have the corporate job because I'm a woman? No, heavens no. I don't ever want to go into a doctor and her, she's the doctor because she was a woman. I want to go in there because she's a badass and she has the best treatment for me possible. Right. That's right. who I want. Right. I don't care. You want the best doctor, look like. not the best female doctor. If, right. If, if we're, you know, and, and I think that that comes up a lot. And um, I think, you know, and so those those barriers and those boundaries have been broken. And the and the more we break those and the more we move forward, the more opportunity there is for people. Right. And that's the beauty that I look at. I'm allowed to be allowed. I'm I'm able to be a corporate woman because of women that came before me because they decided, nope, this is not what we're going to do anymore. We don't have to stay home. We get to be career have careers and have kids and that's okay and I, th and I think you know one of the things is okay you're you're given an opportunity to do that what help did you get along the way that made it easier for you and 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 what non-existent help for other people is uh, you know not giving them the opportunity to do it but i think the reality is and and the the real essence of America is the fact that you can do it with or without help. Mm -hmm. You, you got into your job because you went and applied and, and they, you started off as a customer service rep or, right. or something along those lines. An optician. An optician. So yeah. how do you become an optician as an entry level person? Do you, you get hired for, you know, just. I get hired to sell glasses. To sell glasses. Yeah. And then you call yourself an optician because you're selling glasses. You have to you go have... through an amount of training before okay. they put you on the floor. Okay. Yeah. So they look I mean, at. I could never go sell somebody glasses that I have no idea what I'm talking about. Right. Right. So, <laughs> so as, so you were hired on as an optician, Yeah. but you were, they, they looked at what, what your skill sets were and said, we can train this I, person honestly, to be an optician. Honestly, I don't know why they hired me. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, and, I didn't have any ounce of experience and that's all. kind of and I, well, well but, you've always had that I, I, I want to talk about you for a minute is that you you uh, have always um tried to encourage um especially i think um young ladies um in particular to not limit themselves mm -mm. don't put yourself in a box and say oh i can't do that because of xyz go i don't you know i don't know what somebody else is going to receive on the other end of this. I'm going to go, I'm going to go apply myself and become something or, or, or actually put myself out there and let somebody else judge me or turn me down, but I'm not going to do that myself. Yeah. And, and that's really, that's, that is the, the, the synopsis of my entire career. I mean, I, I walked in there because somebody said that they were hiring. I went in, I met with the guy I, I did. I had one job before that. Well, I had two jobs technically. I worked at In-N-Out Burger and I worked at a modeling agency as their front office person yeah. for a few months. I don't. I don't think. I, I think that. I don't. Um, I want to illuminate and and admit the fact that you're you being beautiful is a part of of what has helped you in your career. I mean that without a doubt. But that is not something that you can you can adjudicate. You have to just be okay with. Hey, this is. I'm. I'm. I'm really good looking and I, and people like that about me, but you know what I mean? Like it's, it doesn't give you any value points or virtue points. It doesn't give me value points, but I was told later on that I was hired by him because I had, I had great legs, which right. you're not allowed to ever say today, but, but let's, so, let's put, let's reverse wait. that. So his, his sexism basically yes. was, was what, um, put you on a career path to, to be the beast that you are. Right. Right. That's pretty, that's pretty, so, well, 
so it, but it, this goes back to that. I same wonder what dynamic. he's doing these days, right? Yeah, he's probably he probably, probably not. So much. <laughs> oh, he was not. He's not the sharpest tool in the shed. Right. right. Um, but but so to bring that back is that you have to appreciate the times that you're in. And for me, I was raised with a very strong father. He was an attorney. He was an Olympian. He was he was a great guy. He was outspoken. He was the Templeton High School girls varsity coach, um, basketball coach, and I chose to play soccer even though I knew he was the coach. <laughs> so there's right. that dynamic. Right. Um, I was always a feisty kid, but anyways, I digress. The, 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 the point that I'm trying to make is that my dad used to say things that people today say, oh my gosh, I can't believe that he would ever say that. And, and uh, he raised five women and a boy, you know, and, and we all turned out pretty well, you know, so we, we had a strong heads on our shoulders. We did not have the easiest childhood. My parents fought like cats and dogs. My mom has her own things, but it wasn't, I never looked at it as a burden to me as far as like what I could accomplish and not accomplish. I remember my father telling me, you can do anything you want. You just can't be the president of the United States. And, and I remember that. And I used to think now I'm going to be the president of the United States, of course, you know? Yeah. But then that never was a calling for, for me. Um, but, but the point is, is that I never looked at him like a terrible person. He said that because that was the generation that they were in. Right. That's the mindset right. they were in. But he also explained to me years later, um, and, and it wasn't really about the president of the United States. He, he was, he was talking about women in power and, and women in, in these, in these hard positions. And he had said, there's a reason why God made men and women there. Your hearts are different. If we, if, if men didn't have women and men didn't have these, these beautiful beings that cared for us and that cared for the people in the communities, we wouldn't know how to be sympathetic or empathetic. We wouldn't have that. And right. I remember him saying that to me and it's still, my father's obviously passed now, but I remember thinking that and thinking that's what he meant. He didn't want us in those positions. And not, again, I know feminists would, would freak out over this topic, but or this, this some women this have statement. a lot more empathy and, and compassion than others. They do right. for sure. But I, but I remember thinking about him saying that and knowing for myself that, you know, I can make tough decisions. I, I, I can get stone cold when I need to get stone cold. I can, but at the same time, I also love having people think that I'm, I'm there for their best interest all the time. And, and it's not that I don't feel like people like, like the president of the United States can't have that, but there's going to be times that the president of the United States just needs to be just rock solid and not care what people think. I don't know if I can always do that. You know, some women can absolutely for sure. We'll have a, a woman president. Absolutely. It's, it's not that it's the fact that when I'm, when I'm basing all of this around what he said and then try to bring it into today's context, there's something that's lost in, in the translation today that I can look back and see the beauty in it and see where he was coming from. He was coming from a place that was softer even than his father who was softer than his father, who was softer than his father. And we can look at that through history, why women didn't have the right to vote, why women were set up in this perfect little bubble and how they had to dress yeah. every day and have dinner right. on the, you know, so they came from these generations that were tough and then tough and then tough. And then all of a sudden they started lightening up a little bit. Right. And now we're lighter, lighter, lighter. Now we're maybe a little too light, right. but it's, it's that if we, if we don't recognize the beauty that came from before and how we even got here, 
then we'll forget that we can make that type of change for the next generation and the next generation. Right. It's not anybody's fault why we're all where we are where right. we are. We're, it's we're our in, fault. We're, it's, it's your personal fault where well, you sit. I think that's that's the you know the American um, the in, and where I, I think a great way to wrap this up is you know that you can be a part of a group and that group can accomplish something. You can be an individual and you, as an individual, you can accomplish something. And, and the most, the biggest thing about it is to take responsibility and, and to take personal responsibility, who you are and decide what you want to do and just, and, and do that through the failures and do that through the successes and just remain humble that, that you're given the opportunity to do that. And, and it's not, it's not, life isn't a red carpet. Um, and, you know, what we're hopefully moving through today um, as a group, as we figure things out, because we're obviously, I think there's no question, the entire world is trying to figure something out right now. And, and there's, there's loud and, and a, a potentially obnoxious people on both sides of it. And we're all going to figure this out together um, and move on. And that, and, and we should do that, I, I think, and I would just encourage everybody out there to do that with, um, do as little harm as possible to any person or anything. You know, when, when you harm something, don't look at it as an inanimate object. The, the people who, who worked hard to make that, they poured their life blood into it. It's no house got raised by itself. No house just fell from the sky. Somebody put their entire life's work into doing something and creating something, and and the idea that insurance pays for everything is is completely uh, misguided and and short sighted. That people we're all here to work together toward a common good, and the the way we're going to do that is through civil discussion, through civil discourse, and and independent responsibility. And if we can do that, we'll be better tomorrow. And um, and then I I know that's. That's something that you know you and I both both agree with, and that we try to do is make ourselves better. Um, as we make ourselves better, we become more valuable. As you become more valuable, you're worth more. And and instead of fighting over crumbs, you know, put put your investment into yourself as a human being and as a person, so that you become more valuable in the future. And somebody will recognize that at some point, and and you will you might miss some opportunities, and then you'll fall into the right one. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so, you know, to everybody out there, um, you know, it's just, it's a real honor to be on this journey in this life with all of you, um, and do your best. Um, we will close the show on that. And, um, you just, uh, if we can leave you with anything, uh, be a good human, uh, find a way to do good today. And then, uh, don't forget to like subscribe and, and join us tomorrow for another show. We're going to have. Uh, we're going to have Chris Arend of the Paso Robles um, School Board um, on our show tomorrow, and he's going to talk about um, his experiences and, and a column that he wrote um, that has uh, gained a little buzz recently, um, but we're going to find out uh, how he feels how, and where he came from. Let's find out what challenges he had to face um, to get to where he is today, and maybe we can get some, um, some common bonds about being a good American, a good human, and, and make this world a better place. Um, until then, thank you for watching. Uh, go to wethepeoplecast.com to, to get the links to the audio and the video. Share this with your friends, and we hope you have a great Monday.